preaching a message entitled, Ring Straight. Everybody say it, Ring Straight. Now we're talking about, or we read about Jacob, and there's something you need to understand first and foremost about the patriarchs, the patriarchs being Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. They're not just men in a historical sense, and they're not just leaders of what would become the Jewish nation and the Jewish faith. When you're looking at Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, they're not just men, they're models. Everybody say, not just men, models. In other words, they are prototypes of what's possible when people walk with God by faith. We know this because God, after their time, after they're dead and gone, God is still introducing himself to other people by saying, hi, I'm the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. In other words, God is saying, if you want to know about me, if you want to know my character traits, my resume, if you want to know what can be expected from me, look at their lives and what I did with them. What can we in the New Testament church in 2023, what can we pray for? What can we believe for? What can we expect from God? God says, oh, look, look at my resume. Look at the model. I am the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Does this idea continue in the New Testament? Absolutely. Galatians 3, after the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. When the church age was getting started and Paul planted a church in Galatia, he writes to them and says, if you are in Christ Jesus, then you're Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. In other words, in Galatians, in your New Testament, God is still referencing what you can expect by going all the way back to the things he did in the lives of Abraham and his seed, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Now, ring straight. This is a prophetic message. The word ring straight, you don't hear anymore today. It's a word that hasn't been used uh, for the most part since antiquity. But it means marked with circular stripes. Let me bug you. Say it. Marked. And then just do, with, do this with me, with circular stripes. That's what ring straight means. Now let's deal with Jacob a little bit. It'll help you with this message if you kind of know his background. I'm not going to be exhaustive with it. But let's look at it a little bit. Most people think what Jacob is most famous for, probably, most people think that Jacob stole his brother Esau's inheritance. Okay. But he didn't. He stole Esau's blessing. Let me explain to you from a, from a secular perspective, a non-believer's perspective, how ludicrous this is. A non-believer could understand why a younger child would want to steal the inheritance from the older child, especially in Bible days, because the eldest received a higher percentage of the land, the animals, the wealth, whatever there was on the passing of the father. So it would make sense 
if Jacob wanted to steal Esau's land, if he wanted to steal Esau's inheritance of gold when Isaac died, if he wanted to steal Esau's stuff. But Jacob was not after Esau's inheritance. Jacob wanted the blessing. Now, it was customary that when a father was dying, that he would bring his eldest son before him, lay his hands on him, and impart and speak blessing over him. Look at what Jacob's doing. Not for land, not for houses, not for gold. He, he gets his mama involved. You know, his mama's a professional con artist. And if you're going to be a con, you need to be trained by... He said, Mama, I've got to have that blessing. Well, well, son, your brother Esau, he's a hairy fella. And you're a hairless wonder. Your brother Esau, he's a man of the field. And, and you like to stay in Mama's kitchen. You, you don't go outside. The, the men of the field have a smell to them. You don't know what I'm talking about. But, but, but the men of the field have a smell to them. There's a... There's a musk to him. Baby, you ain't got none of that. And uh, I know your daddy's blind and he's old and half senile, but we ain't going to fool him with your hairless self uh, smelling like the kitchen and the bath and everything else. And, and so mama cooks up an idea. We're going to kill a goat and take the goat hair. And we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna glue it to your arms. And we're going to put the goat hair on the back of your neck. And, 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 and we're going to get some of Esau's clothes that smell like him. And we're going to put those clothes on you. So we'll make you feel like him. And we'll make you smell like him. And they, they went through this whole ordeal. Not over property or gold. They went through all this craziness over a blessing. Jacob is so desperate for the things of God that he goes about doing a right thing the wrong way. And so you know the story. They slip in there while Esau's out, and they, they t uh, the, Jacob's mama leans over to Isaac, and she, she says, uh, you, Esau's here for your blessing, honey. And Isaac strengthens himself as much as he can. He's about to die. And the father lays his hands on what he thinks is his eldest son, his favorite son, incidentally, the one he's most proud of. And he prays the most beautiful prayer. And from his spirit, he releases and imparts all that he is. And, and the problem was the whole thing was a lie. So what makes this baffling to me? What makes this baffling theologically? Is that it worked. The blessing took. The blessing was received. Why? I mean, have you ever thought about this story and wondered? Why did him lying and deceiving and conning why did it work? Let me answer that. The spiritual laws of impartation are very simple. Just as simple as this. What you have received from God, if you have received anything from God, once you have received it, then it is yours to release to another 
at your will, not God's. For instance, you, you say that's Old Testament. Okay, Paul and Timothy. Remember what Paul told Timothy in the New Testament? He said, I want you to stir up the gift of God which is inside you by the laying on of my hands. In other words, Timothy, that gift you got, I put it there by impartation. God gave it to me, and I chose to lay my hands on you and release it into your spirit and into your life. Now, Timothy, you need to stir up what I put in you, boy, is what Paul was saying. And so this, this blessing that Isaac releases to Jacob, it's a spiritual blessing and you may say, well, why didn't God block it? It was all contrived and deceit. It was all a lie. Why didn't God stop it? Why didn't God take it back? You got to understand something about God. He doesn't do that. Look at Romans chapter 11, 29. If you ever memorize a scripture, you need to memorize this one. This one will keep the devil from lying in your ear about your state with God. For the gifts and the calling of God are irrevocable what that means is once something is released God will never come and take it back if God gives a gift to you it don't matter what you do it don't matter if you honor him with it or you dishonor him with it when God releases a gift to you he never takes it back and when God sends out a call over your life he will never take it back whether or not you respond to the call or honor the call that is up to you but once God sends it out he never gives it and takes it back he never calls it and then cancels it. So when Esau discovers what Jacob has done, he vows to kill him after their father dies. Now when mama, Rebecca, she learns about this plot, she sends Jacob to hide with, his, with her brother, his uncle, Laban. And what's funny about it is, it's all about cons, you know? Jacob's a con because his mama was a con and she taught him how to be a con. But what Jacob didn't know is that the person that taught his mama how to be a con was Uncle Laban. Every family's got at least one master con. Y'all gonna sit there and just look at me and shake your head. I'm telling you the God's honest truth. If you ain't found out about it yet, you may be the one being conned. Every family has got at least one. Jacob and Rebecca were playing at conning, but, but Laban was a professional, professional con. And, and the challenge is for Jacob, Jacob had a job with his daddy. Ain't got no job no more. He's got to leave. Esau's going to kill him. Jacob had possessions. He had a house on the property. Ain't got a house no more. He's got to leave. Jacob had status and standing in his hometown amongst his kindred, amongst his people. He ain't got that no more. He's got to leave. He's fleeing for his life. So when we see Jacob running for his life, fleeing his family in Genesis 28, you got to understand he's a man that has nothing. He don't have a thing to his name. All he's got 
is the blessing. Now, I want, to understand, I want you to understand this about blessing because the church has murdered it over the years. The blessing of God is not cars. <laughs> I hate to disappoint you. It's not houses. It's not money. It's not status. The blessing of God, according to the scripture, is a supernatural ability to succeed over adversity. That's the blessing of God. And when Jacob is fleeing with nothing, he's got nothing but the blessing of God. I want you to watch what he says. Genesis 28, look at verse 10. Jacob went out from Beersheba. He went towards Haran. He lighted on a certain place, stayed there all night. The sun was set and he took the stones of that place and put them for his pillows and laid down in that place to sleep. And he dreamed and behold, a ladder set up on the earth and the top of it reached to heaven and behold, the angels of God ascending and descending on it. And behold, the Lord, hallelujah, the Lord stood above it and said, I am the Lord God of Abraham, thy father. He's not just giving him a reference. He's giving him a menu. He's giving him a resume. Remember, they're not just men, they're models. He's saying, I am the Lord God of Abraham, your father, and the God of Isaac. I'm the God of your granddaddy and your daddy. And he says, the land whereon you're laying, to thee will I give it and to thy seed. And thy seed shall be as the dust of the earth, and thou shalt spread abroad to the west, to the east, to the north, to the south, and in thee. And in thy seed shall all the families of the earth be blessed. Oh, I love that. In other words, God says, hi, I'm God. We haven't met yet. I'm the God of your grandfather and your father. And I want you to know with your broke self, don't have a thing to your name, that because you valued my blessing over any inheritance or over any stuff, because you were willing to go to the extremes to chase after me, even if you had to do it the wrong way, I want you to know the land you're laying on while you're broke. I'm going to give you that land. And I'm going to also give it to your children. And I want you to know I'm going to bless you. And I want you to know I'm going to bless everybody that's connected to you. In other words, I'm going to pour out so much blessing on your life that everyone around you will catch the splash and the overflow of what I'm doing in you. I'm starting to feel it. This is what the blessing does. And And everyone in this room is experiencing this on some level. You are either carrying the blessing of God or you're connected to somebody who's carrying the blessing of God. There is such a thing as being blessed by association where you can be blessed in your life, not because how you prayed, but because of how the person who you're connected to prayed. There is such a thing as you receiving prosperity, not because you gave, but because somebody you're connected to gave. Oh, hallelujah. There is such a thing as 
and I want to tell you, if you know and can be humble enough to recognize that you're just a person that is blessed by association, never sever ties with a blessed source. I want to say that out of my spirit. Because the enemy will try to tempt you to leave the, the source, the, the conduit through which the blessing of God has flowed through to you. Never leave a blessed source. He says, I'm going to bless you. I'm going to bless your kids. And, and I'm going to bless everybody connected to you. And then in verse 15, God says, and behold, I am with thee. And I will keep thee in all places whether thou goest and will bring thee again into this land for I will not leave thee. I'm going to say it again. I will not leave thee. But your lying conning self. I still won't leave thee until I have done that which I have spoken to thee of. This I won't leave thee until I've done what I promised I would do. The New Testament says it like this. He that began a good work in you shall perform it until the day of the coming of Jesus Christ. In other words, what that means is God would never start something with you unless he intended to finish it with you. If God has ever done one thing in your life, it's a guarantee that for the rest of your life, God's going to be there for you because he wouldn't have started it. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. I said he wouldn't have started it. I wish I had 15 people that would throw up your hands and holler, keep me, Lord. Ooh, there's an anointing in here already. I can feel it. So verse 20, Jacob wakes up from the dream and he says, my God, my God, my God, you going to do all of this? Jacob said, I, I tell you what, he makes a vow. A vow is something you give. <laughs> when you don't have nothing else to give. Oh, hallelujah. Hear me with your spirit, church. I said a vow is something that you give in lieu of the reciprocity that the moment demands. I, I need something so big from you, but... But I don't have nothing to pay with. I don't have nothing to honor with. I don't have a sacrifice to worship with. All I can do is I can give you a, I give you a vow. He says, if God will be with me and keep me in this way that I go and will give me bread to eat and clothes to put on. Look at the place he's at. This is his big-time prayer request. This is his face-to-face -face with God moment. God says, ask anything you want. You know what's on his mind? He's so broke. He said, I tell you what, if you can give me some bread to eat and some clothes to wear, and if you'll bring me back in peace to my family, because my family's torn in pieces. My family's torn apart. Listen to the man. If you just give me something to eat, If you just give me some clothes, and if you take my broken family and put it back in one piece, 
And he says, the Lord shall be my God. In other words, every time I receive one of those things, this is what Jacob is vowing. Every time I notice a stitch of clothes that you put on my body, every time I'm digesting bread that I know you provided for me, and every time I see you starting to stitch back my torn family and bring it into wholeness, every time I see it, God, I want you to know, I'm going to praise you as being God and the Lord of my life. Uh, remember, they're not just men their models. Here, Jacob, the patriarch, actually sets a criteria for when God should be praised. If God has kept you, preserved you, fed you, clothed you, or ever put something broken back together in your life, every time you see it, regardless of how you feel, you ought to stop right there and build an altar of praise. Build an altar of worship and say, God, I just want to remind you, you're my God. God, you did it again. God, you blessed me again. God, you kept me again. God, has he fed anybody? Then Jacob said, you ought to praise him. Has he clothed anybody? Then Jacob said, you ought to praise And then Jacob seals the vow. Watch this because he ain't done. Jacob seals the vow. Folks, you got to remember, if you just look at this as a man and a narrative and a story, you're going to miss it. Not just Ben models. He seals the vow he makes by promising to be a tither. Genesis 22. No priest, no prophet. No preacher, no holy book is instructing him to do this. He's doing this out of a vow, out of a need, out of a desperation to pull God's power into his life. He says, he says, I'll set up this stone as a pillar and make it the house of God. I'll make a temple here. And of all that you give me, I will surely give the tenth the tithe, the 10% back to you. So he makes a vow and promises to be a tither. I didn't say he tithed. He promised to tithe. He couldn't tithe because 10% of nothing. Now, what I want you to see now, we're going to go off the rails here a little bit. I'm going to go into the spirit a little bit. I'm going to leave a lot of people behind. Sorry. Anybody remember what ring strike means? It's a, it's a mark. A circular pattern. When Jacob promises to tithe, he circumcises his finances. Cuts a circle. He, he marks, or you could say he ring strikes his financial life. He's already blessed. Isaac gave that to him. 
But now he takes the blessing that's in his life, in his spirit. It was the blessing that caused God to show up to him. It was the blessing that saved his life from Esau trying to kill him. He's already blessed. But now by promising to tithe, he's taking that blessing and pulling it into the financial world of his life. He's, uh, he's ring-straking it. Now, to understand this, why did I say he circumcises his financial life? You've got to go back to his grandfather Abraham to understand that. When God made a covenant, a contract, an agreement with Abraham, he says, please understand this. He says, I'm going to do something in your spirit. I'm going to do something on the inside of you. I'm going to change the world through you and your family. You're going to have sons, and they're going to have sons, and they're going to have sons. And one day, the Messiah, the Redeemer of the world, God's only son, is going to be born from people that come from your bloodline. I'm going to change the world through you. And not only that, in blessing, I'm going to bless you. In multiplying, I am going to multiply you. I am going to raise you all the way up. And this is my covenant. And this is my contract with you. And I promise I'm going to do it. And this is a spiritual thing that's going to manifest in your practical life. But though it's a spiritual thing, Abraham, I want you to do one thing for me. I'm going to do all this. I want you to do one thing for me. I want you to take a knife. And I want you to cut a circle around your foreskin. Cut it off. Or I want you to circumcise. That's all it is. Cut in a circle. I want you to circumcise yourself. And the circumcision will be a natural sign of a spiritual reality. It'll be like a logo. God was saying, I want my logo in your body and on your body so that you'll remember that even though this covenant is spiritual, it can get into the natural elements of your life and do amazing things. And so he said, I want you to circumcise yourself, and then I want you to circumcise your son. And then when you have a grandson, I want you to circumcise him. And so the roots of this circumcision thing, this cutting in a circle, this this ring straight shape, it's all in Jacob's heart and mind. It was with his daddy and with his granddaddy. And when he decides to cut the tenth, you know, ten is just a circle. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. You can't count any higher because eleven is just one on the next. When he said, I want to give you ten, you get whatever you give me. What? I don't have nothing. I don't even have nothing to worship you with for all the stuff you just promised me. But going forward, whatever you give me the rest of my life, I'm going to draw a circle. I'm going to get a knife out and cut my financial life to honor you. You understand what I'm saying? Now it's mysterious, this thing. It's mysterious how it's beginning to work. Because Jacob's already blessed. 
But when he does the tithe thing, all of the sudden he places a demand in heaven for a massive wealth transfer that will not just be in his spirit, but will transport into his physical life and his physical reality. Now, when Jacob finally got to Laban's house, he arrived broke and broken. But Uncle Laban noticed something about this boy. Every time I leave him watching the herd, the herd starts multiplying. Every time I give him an assignment, he, 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 whatever he touches turns to gold. And so eventually, Laban has placed Jacob in charge of all of his flocks, which really means all of his stock, all of his investment, all of his money, all of his wealth. And Jacob's making Laban a lot of money. Uh, Jacob is using his blessing. Hallelujah. He's using his, I don't know who I'm talking to. He's using, he's using what's on him to make somebody else rich. Have you ever used your gifts and used your blessing and used what God gave you to make somebody else rich? You stopped talking to me. What happened? I don't know what happened. There's in other words, Laban is taking advantage. So Jacob tries to cut his losses and leave. In Genesis 30, verse 25, came to pass. Well, Genesis 30, I'm sorry, verse 25, my technology. He says, it came to pass when Rachel had born Joseph. Joseph was his 11th son. He's had 11 kids in Laban's house. He's had 11 kids He's gone through the cycle of raising 11 kids, getting taken advantage of. The next chapter would tell us that in that process of him having 11 kids, Laban changed his wages 10 times. That means with every kid, instead of getting more money, have you ever been in a cycle where instead of getting more, you started getting less? It's like your responsibilities were growing, but your salary wasn't. The demand on you was growing, but your compensation, in fact, it was getting smaller, not bigger. And Jacob said, look, man, this is my 11th kid. I got to go. I can't make this work with you anymore. You're killing me, man, and my kids. Now, you know Jacob's blessed because you've got to be blessed to have 11 kids, have your wages lowered 10 times, and you still making it. Have you ever had to make it with pitiful circumstances? Have you ever had to make it after people stole from you or cheated you or conned you or bamboozled you or robbed you? Have you ever had to make it anyway? The blessing will help you make it anyway. And he's made it anyway, but by the grace of God. But I don't know, there's something about age and something about having kids and something about living a little while. You, you start getting frustrated just making it. Has anybody ever been frustrated? Has anybody ever 
gotten tired of giving God the same praise, the I survived it praise. I survived another one. Glory be to God. Devil tried to kill me again, take everything I got. I survived another one. Glory to God. You ever wanted to give God a, I just got hit with the overflow and abundance praise. I got more money than I know what to do with praise. I got to figure out who you want me to bless because I got so much excess praise. But Jacob stuck giving him a, we made it through another month. Sick of making it. I want to just make it. I want to make it. Jacob says, I don't want to just make it. I want some serious, serious prosperity to finally hit my life. And so Jacob says, uh, or Laban says, rather, please stay. You know, because the devil's smart, too. Woo! Laban knows if I lose you, I'm going to lose all this power I got in my cattle business, in my livestock business. I'm going to lose my investments. I'm going to have to, I'm going to take several percentage points of a hit every single year. Laban's got a business mind. So Laban, after 11 kids, Laban's finally ready to negotiate. Tell me what? Name your salary, Jacob. If you'll just stay. Tell me. What do you want? Now, here in the text, I don't know if you noticed that Abraham is conjured. His spirit, his mind, his faith is dragged back from old. And Jacob says something very similar to what his granddaddy said. You may remember when the king of Sodom came out after Abraham had won the victory with 318 trained servants in his own house. And all of the spoils of war were on the battlefield. And the king of Sodom came out and said, take all the spoils of war for yourself as payment for rescuing us and winning this battle. Abraham stood back from him and said, I don't even want a shoe buckle, a shoelace, a shoe latchet from you, lest you say that you were the one that made Abraham rich. And when Laban asked his grandson, asked Abraham's grandson, Jacob, what you want your salary to be? Jacob says, I don't want you to give me nothing. I'm going to risk it. Roll the dice. I'm going to leave my salary in the hands of God. Laban, you know that human beings can't determine and can't manipulate the way a cow is born. Would we agree on that, Laban? Yes, Jacob, we would agree. I tell you what I'll do for you, Laban, it's your lucky day. If you'll just give me all of the animals in your herds that happen to be ring-straked, 
then I'll accept that for my salary. And I'll stay. And I'll manage your herds. They even said, put her there, Bubba. <laughs> this boy must have hit his head. God, and we won't find this out to the next chapter, but God had set up a major wealth transfer with a supernatural strategy for everybody sick and tired of the I made it praise. For every limitation in your life, God has a supernatural strategy. A strategy that does not make natural sense. A strategy you would need prophetic revelation to even understand. God tells Jacob, I saw what Laban did to you. And he did it to the wrong one because the blessing is on you. You didn't do nothing to earn it. In fact, you didn't deserve it. You conned yourself into it. But nevertheless, the blessing is on you. So, Jacob, this is what I want you to do. I want you to go to the poplar tree and the hazel tree and the chestnuts. And I want you to, to get some branches. And what I want you to do is take a knife and start cutting circles. Ring stripes, ring streaks into that branch. And then I want you to put it in front of the cattle's eyes in the watering trough while they're drinking. Do you feel the Holy Ghost like I do? And when they look at it, they're going to produce what they see. No, 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 no. You don't, you don't understand it because you need prophetic revelation to even comprehend it. But here's the prophetic revelation. Jacob was making a reflection of himself in the rods. He was doing to the rods what had been done to him. He was cutting it back. He was putting the blade to it. He was making a ring streak. He was making a circle because this is a marked man. That's what a ring streak is. It's a mark in a circular form that is applied. It's a mark. And Jacob was making those cows look at the fact you are up under the leadership of a marked man. You are up under the management of a marked man. So you are going to produce what you see, and what you see is me. So look at these rods. Look at this outward manifestation of this inward covenant I have with God. Look at this outward it's just an icon. It's like a billboard. It's like a logo. But look at it because you are going to produce what you look at. This is how the blessing goes from his spirit and starts traveling down the straw traveling down the conduit until it burst into his practical life 
by a plan God gave him. You do understand, don't you? The, the rods didn't make the cows drop ring-straight cows. God made the cows drop ring-straight. What, what was God doing? The methodology I want you to use. I want you to start doing on the outside of you like we've done on the inside of you. I want you to bring the principles of the covenant, the principles of my financial plan, the principles of the mysterious, the stuff that makes no sense, the stuff you got to have faith in order to see. I want you to bring that out of your spirit now and into your natural where you know where your paycheck is deposited and and where you pay your bills and where all your your practical things get handled because Bubba I'm sick of Laban taking advantage of you and so God did it he didn't do he didn't tell him to do the ring strikes in the sticks he didn't tell him to do that for the cows he told him to do that for him so that he would see this is what happens when I trust your covenant plan. This is what happens when I trust your circle. This is what happens when I trust your circumcision. This is what happens when I put my hope and, and I look as my source, not man, but you. And so he's now, now he's working the plan. Every, everything is just dropping ring straight, ring straight, ring straight. Everything is just ring straight. And then he gets a plan. And he says, you know what? I'm not going to put those ring straight rods in front of those feeble wheat cattle. Because then I'll get genetically inferior cows. I'm going to wait till Laban's strongest cows mate. Then I'm going to put the ring straight rods. And the scripture says, so the stronger became Jacob's and the weaker. Became Laban's. Now the scripture says in Proverbs 13, 22. Proverbs 13, 22. A good man leaves an inheritance to his children's children. But what does God do? A good man will leave an inheritance, not to, his, not to just his children, to his children's children. But what does God do? God does more than that. The wealth of the sinner is Stored up from generation to generation. Stored up for the righteous. In other words, there will be periodic times in your walk with God. Periodic times in your life. Where God will send the blessing of a wealth transfer. I came to prophesy the blessing of a wealth transfer. Listen to me. You can play something lightly on that piano. I'm done. I'm done. I said everything God told me to say, but listen to me real quick. 
all this month, you can you sit down, you rest. All this month, I've been trying to preach. In fact, don't play yet because I'll start singing and worshiping. All this month, I've been trying to preach in our veins, the main veins, the arteries of our heart as a church. So I've been hitting different things, you know. We, we started January, if you remember, Die Kings. Die. A, a dominion message. Apostolic. Taking authority. Receiving deliverance. That, those are all in our veins as a church. We got to have that. And, uh, and then I moved from that to Champions class. We talked about the power of partnership. Anybody remember that? That's in our veins as a church. It, 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 it fills the heart of our ministry with blood and keeps it pumping. You know, we need that. And then thirdly, I preached about repentance and the yoke being destroyed. That was just last week. Then in between last Sunday and this Sunday on Wednesday night, and if you missed it, you need to go back and watch. Oh, my God. I preached the heart of the gospel of Jesus Christ out of one verse. Just one verse. I've been trying to do my due diligence to make sure to pack into the first month of the year those big things, those primary veins that keep our heart as a church pumping. But this is the last Sunday of the year, or of the month, and I had to. I had to preach something about blessing and prosperity because we got to have the gospel of Jesus Christ, the death, the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus for the salvation of our soul, the cleansing of our sins. We got to have that. We got to have deliverance. We got to have the power of the Holy Spirit manifesting in miracle signs and wonders. We got to have that. We got to have practical instruction and learn things about partnership and how to use spiritual principles in the practical world. We got to have that. But we also got to be blessed. We got to be. No, we have to be blessed. Why? Because it's the heart of this ministry to be a giving church. Listen, it's our heart. We give food to our community. We just gave literal blood to our community. We give help to our community. We give cars and rent relief to our community. We, we give to our community. We bless our community. But you can't bless anybody. The law of content says you cannot give what you do not have. And this, this delights me when I see it manifesting in some of our members. Depresses me when I see it not manifesting in the lives of others. And I, I was before the Lord about what to minister. I had three or four things that the Lord's been speaking to me about. And yesterday we had a funeral here at the church. And uh, in between the funeral... And then a meeting that we, me and Bishop had to have with our general contractor and architect for the building that's starting. In between that, uh, me and Katie went to grab something to eat. And 
we, uh, we met up with one of our members who owns business. And we were just talking, you know, just shooting the breeze, eating fajitas, you know. And the member said something that knocked, it almost knocked me out of my chair. Not because of amounts or anything, but because of faith. I listen for faith talk. But I listen for faith talk that's not irrational. It's based in evidence and fact. And this member said, he was talking about last year in his business. And uh, most successful year he's ever had. And then said, and you know, the, the truth is, realistically, on the trajectory that we're on, um, being conservative in five years will be at $10 million a year in revenue. And all of a sudden, I realized that ain't nothing but the blessing of God. Another member, I went to their uh, place of business last week. They own a restaurant. There were some things going on. They needed prayer. And so I went. They called, I went. And when I walked in, I was there to pray about one crisis. But when I walked in, I got slapped in the face with the blessing of God. I mean, the business was crazy. It's raining blessing in this place. And all of a sudden, I realized God's doing what he promised he would do. He's blessing people all over this church who understand that we are blessed to be a blessing. Because I cannot give to you what I do not have myself. I cannot be to you what I am not myself. I have to be blessed so I can be a blessing. Last year, our ministry received the largest donation it has ever received, $500,000 in one lump sum from somebody that doesn't even attend. <laughs> Don't clap. That's offensive to me. You know what he said? My daddy taught me how to tithe. And he said, all oh, while he was alive, I never did. But now that he's gone, I want to give my tithe to God and I picked your church. I'm going to say something most of you can't receive. There are tens of millions of dollars over your head. In this east side San Antonio 
Walsham Road Church with a lot of stuff all around us. God is going to raise up millionaires in every section of this church. Listen to me. I Listen to me. I felt this. I felt like falling out of my seat at the restaurant, not because of the amount, but because I realized God is at work doing a ring-straked wealth transfer in the lives. If I offend you, if I offend you with this, you tell me after service, I'll apologize properly. I had a hard time when I went to her brand new house with Pastor Katie to anoint it, bless it, pray over it. I had a hard time. In fact, I had to get in the floor of your house. You remember I got in the floor of your house? Part of the reason was I couldn't hardly stand in her brand new, never lived in before, built for her house. Because a couple years ago, she was homeless. (laughs) Sit there, you don't hear what I'm saying. In fact, you want to know how bad it was? If I hurt your feelings, I'm sorry. You want to know how bad it was? It was so bad, she won rent relief at Bless Fest one year. And it was so bad, we didn't even know how to help her because she wasn't paying rent nowhere because she had been evicted. Yeah, you know, one day I get a call. Will you come bless my business? Your business? It was a business that belonged to someone else, but that God made them give. Ring strength. Go in and go in and I'm thinking, well, we're gonna drive to this, you know, pitiful look. I go to Broadway, Terrell Hills area, most expensive real estate in San Antonio. I go into her business. It is beautiful. And all of a sudden I heard the Lord, I'll never forget. He's I'm sorry, but I'll never forget he said, I'm going to do it right here. <laughs> I don't remember if you, I don't know if you remember me saying it to you. I'm going to do it right here. And then I go into her beautiful home. And I couldn't do anything but just get on the floor. There is a blessing that when you see it, it will put you. I mean, do you feel it? If you're sensitive in the room, you can kind of feel it. 
God is looking for Jacobs. Little greasy, little dishonest, character not really great. Got some skeletons in the closet. Got some issues! But you know one thing? While she was homeless and when a car was broke down, you know one thing she never failed to do? Not one time do we take an offering without her name in the bucket. Every time she got a dollar, a dime was ring straight away. And see, you don't experience it Maybe because you don't know the power of it. You may not remember, he said, bring the whole tithe, that, that God's a good accountant. He knows what you're holding back from him. He knows the difference between what you're holding back and what you are cutting away. God looks at the ring strike. <laughs> the ring strike. And, and there may be some time for you that are tithers, for you that have been faithful. There may be some time in your life while Laban takes advantage of you. But the thing about God, the tithe does not guarantee you will never be taken advantage of. But it does guarantee this. I will restore the years that the locusts ate up. I will restore the years that the thief stole. And not only that, I'll make him come back and give seven times more. You know why? Do you know why Jacob got all Laban's cattle? It wasn't that God was stealing from Laban. God's not a thief. It wasn't that he was stealing from Laban. He was taking everything Laban should have been paying him over the years and restoring it in one day. I came to tell you the ring strike wave is coming to this church. It's coming to your life. It's coming to this region. It's coming in this house. It's coming on these people. You will be marked with a circle of the favor of God. You will be, you know, you know that's what a that's what a target is. It's just a, a mark within a circle. It's a, it's a ring strike. God reminded me of the prophetic word he spoke through the prophet years ago in this church. He said, target painted. This place is a target for the favor of God. I want to tell you we're about to see it make its way from the ethereal, spiritual, the nebulous realm. We cannot reach with our natural minds and our natural flesh. But that ring strike blessing is about to make its way out of the spiritual and manifest into the practical areas of your life. So I pray for you now from the top of your head to the sole of your feet.
I pray for you now, for your business, for your investments, for your vocation, for your job, for wherever you occupy financial space. I pray for you now in the name of Jesus that from the top of your head to the sole of your feet, the ring strike anointing begins to flow in your life. I pray in the name of Jesus that the wealth transfer from that which you should have received, from that which was stolen, from that which was held back. I pray in the name of Jesus you receive the transfer. The wealth of the wicked is laid up for the just. And in the name of Jesus, I I pray that you understand that this next move of God in your provision, this next move of God in your financial life will not be you working with your back. It's going to be working with your eyes. It won't be what you can pull. It won't be what you can lift. This one will be with what you can see. See, this is something you got to be able to see. What's your name in the red Jordan shirt right there? Come here. The blessing is coming. In your spirit, I release it. Bless this man. You may not understand, but just receive it because it's coming. Listen, it's 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 a thing. You you gotta be able to. To see it. You will never make an amount of money that you do not. Um, you got like a cream shirt with stripes going across it. Right there. Both of you. Okay. Whatever your business is. Okay. Whatever your vocation is. The Lord's going to visit you with triple the amount in the month of March. When you see it, you will know you've been spoken to today. And you, next to her, the Lord is opening a door for you that people tried to keep closed. Where there has been restriction and resistance for your forward motion. The Lord is forcing the way open. I speak over your life in the name of Jesus, where you have been hindered, where you have been restricted. I don't want to embarrass you, honey. Would you come down here to me, Pastor Sean, get her and lead her right down here to me? I feel the Holy Ghost all over me right now. In the name of Jesus. 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 Lift up your hands where you have been hindered, where you have been bruised and hurt, where you have been afflicted, where you have questioned yourself, where your mind has screamed doubts louder in your ears than your
I'm more... You've been in covenant with me, Jake. You've been serving me, Jake. And you've been blessed. You've had 11 kids. Your wage has been changed 10 times. And you've been faithful through it all. So I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to take something that looks like you. A branch that's been cut. He couldn't get the branches without cutting them off the tree. You can't really be massively blessed until you've been. And he said, I want you to look at what you are. And then I want you to make them look at the cows look at what you are. See? Ah, they said. See? Bring that down a little bit. Not all the way, just a little bit. There is a difference. Between the things you do and who you are. Ideally, they would line up, but in reality, they don't. Weak-minded, hypocritical people say that you are what you do. Because then that would make them what they do too. And nobody's perfect. So there's a difference between what you are and what you do. There's a difference sometimes between what you are and how you're believing or feeling or thinking in a moment. You ever had a moment where you just say, I don't even feel like my... So there's a difference between what you are and whatever mental state you're going through or emotional state you're going through or, or sin you're going through or crisis you're going through. God does not tell Jacob to carve something that looks like how he feels. He does not tell him to carve something that looks like what he's going through. Jake, I want you to go and carve what you are. Cut. Circumcised. Ring straight. Marked by me. That's what you are. Now I want you to work out of that. I want you to go to work out of that. I want you to earn your salary out of that. I want you to live in the practical out of And you will see great things, says the Lord. I release divine, strange, supernatural strategies that on the surface make no sense. I release promotion that does not come from the east or the west. Promotion that comes from the Lord God Almighty. And I release the grace 
for a high finance. Yeah, devil, I said it. Laugh at me if you want to. I release the grace for high finance in this church. Yes, we will be a rich church. Yes, because we're going to bless a lot of people. Yes, we will be a wealthy ministry because what we're called to build, we will build without the devil's banks. Yes, we're going to have money. It's not all about money. But money answers all things, the scripture says. And I don't want to be silent when the things come. I want to have a, an answer. But Father, these things that I have preached, prophesied, I pray that you seal them in the hearts and spirits of the apple of your eye and your people. Let it grow in them. Let it stick with them. Let the strange, even the strange word ring strike. Let it stick with them and in their minds. Wake them up with it. Give them dreams. You gave Jacob dreams. Give them dreams. Show them strategies. Show them how to increase. Show them how to partner with you to cause the blessing to come flooding into their life. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus.